Hey guys, this is DJ from the Mindless Musings Podcast, and I want to talk to you a little bit today about Anchor. For the last couple of years, I've been really trying to get in on the podcast game, and quite frankly, I didn't know where to start. I don't have access to a whole lot of equipment, microphone, editing softwares, all that stuff, and I don't always have the time to do this. That's when a friend of mine who's been on Anchor for a little while doing his own podcast kind of looked at me and said, why don't you give it a try? I was like, man, I don't know anything about making a podcast, how to put it all together or anything like that. He said, look, man, everything's right there on the app. You just go to the website or you can download the app. You can do it right there. They've got the editing software right there. They've got all kinds of creation tools that'll help you make a really good podcast. You can upload your own music. You can upload transitions. You can upload your own pre-existing audio. There's so many different features that make making a podcast so much easier, especially if you're a tech idiot like myself. Uh, a couple of nice things that Anchor does for you. They will distribute the podcast across multiple platforms. Currently, I can be heard not only on Anchor, I can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a few others. One of the beauties of this, absolutely free. You just go to the App Store, download the Anchor app. You can go to the website, Anchor FM. You can work right from your laptop. You can edit, upload things you have from there. The best part of it all, absolutely free. Absolutely free app, absolutely free to get your own podcast going. Um, and you can even make money at it with no minimum listenership, which is going to be important for me because I don't expect anybody to really listen. It's not like YouTube where you know you have to have X amount of viewers and X amount of people listening for a certain amount of time. You can start making money almost from day one with Anchor. It's got everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Go to the App Store, download the free Anchor app, or go to Anchor FM to get started. That's Anchor FM. I'm Deej. Take it easy. This is Mindless Musings, with intro music provided by Audionautics. That's www.audionautics.com. One of my go-tos for royalty-free music for all my YouTube and podcast needs. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Mindless Musings Podcast. I'm your host, DJ. This week, we're going to be talking NXT TakeOver 30, and once again, I'm going to have Rob Bonnet on as a co-host to kind of help me pick apart this one and break down the matches, go over, do a little bit of analysis, talk about the show, what we liked, what we didn't like, and uh, you know, have a little bit of fun with it. So grab a drink, grab a snack, kick back, and uh, hope you enjoy this one. Hey guys, welcome back to the Mindless Musings Podcast. I'm your host, DJ, and with me again, thank you, is Rob Bonnet. Rob, welcome back to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Good to be back. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Uh, today, we're going to be talking uh, NXT TakeOver 30, which was last night. Uh, we're going to break down the card, give you a little bit of match-by-match analysis, and you know, kind of break things apart and tell you how I felt about it, you know, find out how Rob felt about everything, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe see where things branch off from there. Um, I'm going to be straight out of the box and, and tell you, Rob, I, this was not my favorite takeover. Um, it wasn't bad. You know, it wasn't bad. I definitely enjoyed it. There were some some solid matches. Uh, definitely seems like they went, at least for some of the, the singles matches, they went with more uh, grappling, you know, hold for hold wrestling versus big spots and big moves and things like that, which on one hand was a bit refreshing. It just it was a change of pace from what I'm used to with some of these NXT takeovers. I don't know how you felt about that. Yeah, and uh, well, one thing I noticed, um, I actually missed Morrow. I mean, I know, look, uh, <laughs> Morrow is, you know, some people really love him and some people really hate him. Yeah. Um, I think 
for weekly TV, he's a bit much for me. But I did feel kind of like he was missed on this one because big, you know, bigger events like these are where you are better served with somebody who punctuates to different spots and things like that. And, you know, and so I think, especially like during the ladder match there, you know, yeah. some of the stuff went on there. And then also during uh, the main event and even, you know, well, during a lot of the matches, like the only match I say that didn't need him was the opener with, you know, Thatcher and Finn Balor. I think that was fine with who was there, but the other matches, you know, had, spots that I feel like would have been better punctuated with him there. Yeah. And that's where, where moral really shines is like you said, in those big moments. And I do agree with you from a weekly week to week basis on, you know, Wednesday nights, he gets to be a bit much. I think his, uh, his pop culture references tend to grate on a lot of people. I'm one of those people that, you know, <laughs> it, it, I can take him in small doses and definitely the NXT takeovers are a place where you need him when you're talking about big spots. There was a spot in the ladder match, and I don't want to get right into that one right away, but there was a spot in the ladder match. Cameron Grimes did this thing with Johnny Gargano on the outside where I guess Johnny went for a cross body. Grimes caught him and turned it into like a backflip power slam. Like it was so quick, I almost missed it until they showed it in the replay. And the commentators almost, I won't say they no-sold it, but Morrow would have been like all over it you know, and, and I agree with you for that match, especially that match. His commentary was sorely missed last night. Yeah. So I think, you know, uh, sometimes you need that. And just like, I mean, back in the day when, you know, Vince used to do commentary and he didn't know what any of the moves were called, and, you know, the whole what a maneuver thing. Well, sometimes you need that. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, sometimes that's better suited for what's going on than, you know, people just kind of calmly, you know, calling out the different spots and everything. Right. Well, and at this point, most people know what the wrestling moves are. Um, <clears throat> even if somebody's given, you know, a, a standard move, a new nickname. I mean, you, you know what the Spanish fly is. You know what the tequila sunrise is. I mean, you, you know what all these things are. So you don't need somebody giving, you know, necessarily hold by hold commentary. You need somebody, like you said, putting the punctuation on the big spots, on the big moves, on the big emotional moments. And Morrow does that better than just about anybody. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Yeah, I mean, right now, I would pick him for that particular task. I would pick him over anybody. And just, yeah. it's just the problem. The problem with him is just that for weekly television, it gets to be, you know, too much. It is. You're right. You're right. And, and that's not a knock on the guy. I like Morrow and, you know, <clears throat> I've been very supportive of him. You know, he's uh, you know, had a lot of, you know, personal issues and mental health issues and, and being somebody who has not only dealt with that personally, but has family members who have gone through that. I, you know, absolutely send my heart out to the guy, you know, on, on that, on that respect. But at the same time, you know, if I've got a criticism of something, you know, I'm going to critique it. And, you know, that's just one of them. Yeah. So, so let's break right into the card here. We're going to start off uh, with Timothy Thatcher and Finn Balor. This was one that really had potential to be a really good wrestling match. I'm still, I'm not totally sold on Thatcher. Like he's a genuine tough guy. Um, he looks good in the ring. I, I'm, I'm 
finding myself not latching on to him as a character because I'm really not seeing any character. So while I've seen some really good in ring, in ring work from him and some very some some developing ring psychology. I'm, I'm still waiting for that that reason to really care about him. So I was a little concerned because you know he's still new, he's still getting a push. I was a little concerned with him getting in there with Finn, how good this was going to go. And I was pleasantly surprised on Bauer's part because as a catch catches catch can, Bauer helped. Bauer kept up with him. Yeah, and I was I was really surprised about that because um, and that was one of the things I tweeted yesterday when I was watching it just. You know, I was just the, the all the different counters and stuff that they were doing, and I've seen Thatcher. I've seen him on. I saw him on an indie show a few years ago, and so I'm you know a little familiar with him. I was really surprised that he came there in the first place because I just did not think that he fits in the you know WWE environment. Um, so I do think, you know, the little bit of character that he, that they've given him so far, I think, I think it, it fits him pretty well. I don't think he has a particularly high ceiling. Um, he's, and this may sound like an insult, but I'd say he's kind of great value Cesaro. Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. Um, in that, you know, he's somebody that, okay, when you see him come out there, you're like, okay, this is going to be a well-worked match. And he does now, you know, he needs to win sometimes to stay relevant and they do have him win sometimes, but he's also somebody who, you know, if you need somebody just to put on a good clinic of a match and then put over, you know, whoever you want to rise up in the ranks, you know, this week, um, he's a good guy for that. And now his style, I guess, is more for, you know, guys our age. You know, I mean, if you're in the spot monkey kind of wrestling, then he's not your guy at all. <laughs> but, I mean, if that's, if that's your thing, if you're in if, – if spot fest or what you prefer, then no, he's not your guy. But, I mean, watching him, I get – you know, it kind of reminds me of guys like Ronnie Garvin, you know, who would stretch, stretch you and just, you know, slap you and chop you to death and all that kind of stuff and – and the stuff just looks really legit painful when they're oh, doing it. Legit looks like he's out there shooting on we on shooting on you with just about every move he puts on. And the, the interesting thing about the spot monkey crowd is that spot monkey crowd is the one that will tell you we don't like WWE because we like real wrestling. But then you they won't watch a guy like Timothy Thatcher, which is what you and I consider real wrestling. You know, it's that old school smash mouth style that you and I grew up on. So I look at these, these you know, spot monkey fans. I'm like, WWE's giving you real wrestling and you guys aren't watching it. You're sitting on your hands for it. Yeah. And again, no, and I'll say this, just like you can't have a card full of spot fests, you can't have a card full of, you know, Thatcher stuff either. Right. But, I mean, you know, you got to have a good mix of stuff. And so mm -hmm. I think having him to do, you know, one match, a match on TV, maybe every other week, and then the occasional match of the takeover, I think is a very good thing to have. Yeah. And I think he's in, I think he's in a good place for that. And this, I mean, I thought the, this was a good match. I like said, I thought Ballard kept up way more than I thought he was going to. And, I mean, he's not like – I wouldn't call him a spot monkey, but he is more he, – he's not, at least from what I've seen, like a grappler. You know, um, 
Yeah, no. Yeah, from what I've seen with him, and I didn't watch him. Like I said, I don't, I don't venture very far out of the WWE bubble. I know guys like you and Jason in the chat and Nick kind of branch out and watch a little bit of Ring of Honor, New Japan, and stuff like that. So you guys were a little bit more familiar with him outside of WWE. But from what I've seen in WWE, Finn Balor, he's not a spot monkey, but he's definitely a high spot guy with most of the moves that he does. So again, pleasantly surprised to see him bring it down to the mat, go hold for hold with Timothy Thatcher. And yeah, I thought it was a solid opener all around. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That, that, that Finn Bauer picking up the win on that one. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Finn Bauer because he's just kind of been, kind of been floating along in limbo since they, you know, since he went back to NXT, he came in with this huge pomp and circumstance and then, just kind of flatlined and you know if we had this discussion in about him in the discord chat here the other day it's like where does Finn Bauer go if he's not doing the demon gimmick because the demon gimmick it, obviously the demon gimmick is a um an attraction you don't bring that out every week you don't bring it out every month um so and, and I think I kind of maybe predicted that I think he's going to run out the end of his contract and then show himself the door, either go back to Japan or something like that. Uh, I wouldn't, I'd like to see him stick it out because I do like Finn Balor. My girlfriend's a huge fan, but right now I I'm having a hard time finding a spot for him. Definitely in NXT. Um, and, and I really don't know where he fits in on the main roster anymore. Oh yeah. And so now the UK thing is starting back up in September. Um, right. And he, he was supposed to do a thing with Walter before, you know, COVID happened. Right. So maybe they'll go back to that. But other than that, I mean, okay, I think there's a spot for him if he wants it. Yeah. I mean, we we said this in the chat. He should be in a WWE world. He's king of the mid card. Yes. You know, he, can be the, he can hold the U.S. or Intercontinental title, main, you know, a bunch of times. You could put him in a main event match. And maybe he can even win the big title and hold it for a month or something, right? But right. He's <clears throat> you know, he's not gonna be a perpetual headliner. No. And I'm... I guess you know, and what really irks me about like the Twitter discussion of him in particular, I mean he wasn't that in New Japan either. I mean he and you know, we talked about this. He in New Japan he was the junior heavyweight champion. And right. He won they have this uh, basically it's a cruiserweight classic kind of tournament every year. It's called Best of the Super Juniors. Okay. And if you if you win that, you get a title shot against the heavyweight champion, and you always lose. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> <laughs> and he won that one year, and he lost to like, and then he, you know he lost to I forgot who he had the title who he had the title match against. Whether it was like it was. Either Okada or Tanahashi, I don't remember, but he won the Super Junior thing one year. He'd been junior heavyweight champion, and he was leader of the Bullet Club. Okay, and then which is probably where he outside of WWE, the leader of the Bullet Club is probably where Finn Balor peaked. Yeah, and uh, and it was funny because you know AJ Styles followed him as leader of the Bullet Club, and AJ did win the heavyweight title there. Yeah, (laughs) you know, I mean. And it's one of those things where if, if you're not really paying attention, you know, you know, Finn Balor and AJ Styles are kind of the same guy, you know, you know what I mean? But, yeah. but you can tell when you really pay attention, you can tell the difference. Yeah, there's, and, there, there's a difference kind of, between AJ and, and and Finn. 
Yes. And, and that's to me, the, the fact that, you know, AJ followed Finn in kind of the same position <clears throat> and did win the heavyweight title. Right. Telling. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely telling, you know, in the grand scheme of where Finn Balor belongs on any card and for anybody. And, and again, you, you go on Twitter and you hear about how, you know, Finn Balor has been underused and underappreciated and they should just either let him go or repackage him. And I was like, I, I can't more, again, as I often say, can't more, disagree with that sentiment you look at his main roster run yeah he got injured when he beat Seth Rollins for the universal title you know in that inaugural match and it was just a a stroke of bad luck and there's a solid argument that could be made that he never truly got another real opportunity to go after it WWE is notorious for that somebody gets injured they have to relinquish their title it's a rare occasion that depending on who they are unless you're already an established main eventer like a Shawn Michaels like a Steve Austin like a Triple H you know you're you're not going to get back to the top of that mountain once you're healthy unless you come in and do something absolutely spectacular that they can't say no to and that's really what happened with Finn but when you look at his run, even beyond that, how many guy, top guys did he beat? I mean, they, they beat, you know, the aforementioned AJ Styles. Um, they put him in a match with Brock Lesnar, you know, for I, I forget which I don't know it was the Universal or the World Heavyweight that Lesnar had at the time. And they didn't ricochet him. You know, they didn't right. you know, they, they didn't Kofi him. He went out there and actually had a match where for at least a minute or two, you actually suspended disbelief and, and thought that Finn might actually pull this one off. So right, and then, and then this his first night on the main roster, he beat Roman Reigns clean. Yeah, I mean, so you can't say that they didn't try with him. It's just right. well, and you know, they're looking in WWE like you have lanes, and sometimes you can get stuck in a lane. So yeah. when he, I mean, when he came back, when he came back from being injured, well, I saw. He came back from being injured, and the problem was that in the lane he would have been in, you know, Seth Rollins was finally 100% back at that point. Yeah. And then, and then Roman was there, and then Miz had the Intercontinental title, and then I think like AJ and Kevin Owens were feuding over the U.S. title, and there just wasn't a space for him. Yeah. And that, you know, and then that just and it continued on. And, you know, and, uh, just there was just – there's never since he came back from that injury. There's always been other people in what would have been the right space for him. Yeah, and, and that's the risk you run in that type of industry. Whenever you get injured, there's always somebody behind you ready to jump into that lane, as you said. And and especially right now with WWE, their roster being so full and, and almost to the point of being bloated. Um, there's just and this is again, it's a good problem to have, but it's a bad problem if you're a fan and you see it on Twitter all the time. Twitter will tell you that everybody on the WWE roster needs to have a world championship or a universal championship run. Every single one of them, all of them. You know, Bobby Fish needs a, a universal championship run. Ask somebody. I'm sure there's somebody on Twitter who believes that. Um, so when you've got this many people who everybody thinks should be a main eventer, and then you have a bunch of people who could legitimately be main eventers. You, you definitely, when you, when you get injured and you go out for a few months, you, you lose your spot and it's hard to get that spot back. And that's what happened with Finn Balor. Yeah. And um, and I'd say it's really nobody's fault really. I mean, because if, if you're going to break it down, you know, 
as far as after he came back. And, if you, you know, because we always ask this question, right? When they say, well, so-and-so should be higher on the card. So-and-so should be a main eventer, right? And then the question is always, okay, well, who do you sit down? Yep, yep. Who takes a seat for this guy? And, no, Seth Rollins should not take a seat for Finn Balor. No. Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns should not take a seat for Finn, for Finn Balor. AJ Styles should not take a seat for Finn Balor. Um, you know, um, you know, when Kofi was doing his world championship run, he should not have taken a seat for Finn Balor. I mean, um, Kevin Owens should not take a seat for Finn Balor. Randy Orton should not take a seat for Finn Balor. <clears throat> a whole lot of people who, you know, Bray Wyatt even, or Brock Lesnar, like none of them should take a seat for Finn Balor. Sorry. Yeah, and, it's, and I'm not saying this is a Finn Balor fan. You know, I, I hate to have this discussion the way we're having it because it makes me sound like, you know, I don't like the guy. I, you know, I've got you – know, my girlfriend's got two of his shirts. I've got one of his shirts. So, you know, we've definitely supported the guy over the years. It just – as and, again, as like we've talked in, in Discord, I'm a realistic fan. I like who I like, and as long as who I like is on TV on at least a semi-regular basis, I'm happy. If they never hold a title – if they come in, they win once in a while, they lose once in a while. I'm a perfectly happy WWE fan. Not every single person that I follow, support, and love has to win a title, has to be, you know, a 42-month intercontinental champion. Um, I don't need all that. I just, you know, it's it's a different – maybe I'm looking at it as an almost 47-year-old man, but that's just where I'm at as a fan. And, you know, as long as Finn's on TV, I'll continue to support him. I don't want anybody to think, oh, he doesn't like Finn Balor, because that's certainly not the case. And same here. And I guess, look, my barometer is always Jake Roberts. Yeah. Like Jake the Snake, he was one of my favorite 80s wrestlers. Jake never held a title in his whole time in WWF. Uh, he, he never even had, like, a title match on a major show. He may have... Mm-hmm. I think he had a few, you know, he had a few title matches on house shows, basically. Um, but he always had, he was always in a good feud with somebody, whether it was Andre or Rick Rude or Ted DiBiase. And, but he never held a title and he, and it was, he had a great career. People talk about Jake the Snake Roberts to this day. Okay. Um, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with the, with the run that he had there. I mean, and one, because, you know, when people talk about, well, you know, that one of the things you hear or see on Twitter is about, you know, WWE not booking non-title feuds enough. Well, okay, but if you want that, that means for a good non-title feud to happen, that means you have to have two really good people in that feud and so you can't be out here mad because those two really good people aren't fighting for a championship right now. Exactly. You, you may have to settle with the fact that one of your favorites might be one of those two really good people just feuding to feud. Yeah. And I mean, it is what it is. I mean, one of the best feuds they've had this year is with a, you know, Mandy Rose and title there at all. Yeah, no, you go back historically and look at that. I mean, that's just I had one in my head a minute ago. I mean, well, you look at Braun and Roman. Braun and Roman weren't for any particular title, and they had an absolutely spectacular feud. Yes. So, and for me, some of those are better than the world title matches. I, if, As long as I'm invested in the people and I'm invested in the story that they're telling, I can give damn less whether it's for the title. Right. I mean, and so – 
you know, look, people got to, you know, which one do you want, right? Do you want, do, do you want your favorite people to always ha have something to do and always have something interesting going on? Or is it championship or bust? Yeah. Because if it's, if it's championship or bust, then you're going to be disappointed a whole lot. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. So. All right, so let's move into the, um, what is it, the, the North American title ladder match. Uh, we have Cameron Grimes. I'm, I'm trying to remember everybody's names here. I just had a complete brain fart. Cameron Grimes, who's the hoss, the big kid? Oh, Bronson Reed, yeah. Bronson Reed, Bronson Reed, uh, Velveteen Dream. Um, and like I said, I just completely fell apart. The guy, Damian Priest and uh, Johnny Gargano. Um, yeah. Not in my top favorite ladder matches, but there were definitely some good spots going on here. Some definitely some clever stuff where they brought out Candice LeRae. What was your take on this match, Rob? Well, I mean, of course, um, the big elephant in the room for a lot of us was we were all hoping that <laughs> one of those guys did not win. <laughs> we can talk about that a little bit here in a minute. We, we can talk yeah. about that a bit. Woo! Yeah. And so the whole time the match was going on, and, you know, I was like, you know, I was kind of like, okay, well, this, this is good. They're doing good stuff here. But the whole time I was kind of like, please don't have him win. Please, please don't have that guy win. And that's, of course, that is Velveteen Dream. And that was kind of putting a, well, it kind of put a shadow over everything until the, the match finally ended. And it did. And <laughs> so when, you know, when they, when they, you know, when they, when he, when they pushed him off the ladder and he took that big fall from the table, I finally kind of breathed a sigh of relief because that looked like that finally was going to be the thing that took him out of the match. Yeah, that was pretty much <laughs> for the match. And you knew it so you could actually enjoy, you know, the rest of the match. Yeah. And, but, you know, I was really happy for, well, I was happy for Bronson Reed because he has worked his ass off. Oh, he's a star, man. Bronson Reed is a star. I mean, these past couple of months, he has really shown out on TV. He has really worked his ass off to get there. Yep. Uh, so I was, really, I was really happy for him to get a good showing. And I, I enjoyed Cameron Grimes because he's just the kind of weaselly, you know, heel. And he, I think he plays that really well. And just, you know, almost like Wiley Coyote is kind of mm how -hmm. I don't think of him. And uh, Damian Priest is another one. Like, I, I remember watching him in Ring of Honor as Punishment Martinez. And, you know, I thought, well, okay, he's okay. But I did not really expect much of him when he signed with NXT. Uh, and, you know, the first time I actually got sold on him was about a year. Was it last year, maybe? Um, he and Keith Lee had a match on the – NXT house show tour up here and they both just killed it. And that's yeah. when I, and he, he won me over then. Yeah. He wasn't at either one of the two NXT house shows that I went to. Keith Lee was in one and Keith Lee uh, wrestled Kona Reeves. Who's a guy I'd like to see get on TV more often. I'm definitely hoping that they feel like he's TV ready. Cause Kona, Kona kind of, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a bit like priest. He's a bit tall. He's kind of a big dude. Um, definitely a go-getter in the ring, man. Him and Keith had a banger of a match at the house show I went to, but you know, without straying too far yet, uh, Damian Priest was a guy I didn't watch Ring of Honor, so I knew nothing about him as Punishment Martinez. 
He really didn't wow me his first couple of outings in NXT. And then he had the match with um, who did he wrestle last month? Rob, I'm trying to remember who he wrestled. And he had a really, really good one. It wasn't Finn Balor, was it? No. Um, ooh. He wrestled somebody at the last. I think it was Balor, maybe. Was it? Then that was the. Was it the Great American Bash? Um. What the. Uh... Was a takeover in your house? I think he had he oh, Russell Balor. It was Finn Balor, and he had a really, really good match with Finn Balor. And you know, some people say, "Well, you know, Finn did all the work." And I'm looking, I'm like, "No, he held his own with Finn Balor." And then moving forward, I've seen more personality out of him than he initially came in with. And just last night, man, he he really he needed to to step up, and he did. And, you know, I'm really excited for this guy. I was glad to see him get the win. I'm excited to see where they go with him as the North American champion. Um, I, I think it's a good pick. I, I really do. I mean, Bronson Reed will get there. And I think if nothing else, Bronson Reed is a guy that will have a good feud with just about anybody. But for for my money, I was glad to see them put the belt on on Damian Priest. It was a good showing on his part. Yeah, because I think it was he's, he kind of reached that point where – they either needed to put him on some type of run or just send him onto the main roster. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I was happy to see him get the win here. And he's a legit martial artist, too. Um, I, I, I because I watched well, funny, I was listening to a, uh, this morning when I was out walking. I was, uh, he was a guest on, you know, uh, Swerve. He has a podcast. And, Got it. Yeah. And because uh, it's like a Swerve and, Big Swole and I think like one other guy and so they they had it's called Swerve City Podcast. They have a bunch of different people on there. Oh, okay, I've heard. Swole, I saw Swole uh, advertise that in my timeline. I didn't. I didn't even really kind of realize what it was, and I didn't realize he was a part of that. Yeah. So uh, and he was uh, on the episode I was listening to this morning. He was a guest, and he just and he's a pretty interesting guy because he's a legit martial artist. His dad was like a serious martial artist, ran a school and everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's uh, he's from New York, and he you know, he'd been in Ring of Honor for a while, and uh, he trained at the Monster Factory, you know, and Larry Sharp. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's he's he's had a pretty you know interesting journey to where he is now. So it's I mean it's nice to see him get a chance to do something here. Uh, yeah. He the, Go ahead. Oh, and uh. Yeah, I think you know, I, I like Reed a lot, but you know it's a little, a little early. I think to put a belt on Bronson Reed just yet. Um, yeah. Maybe you know maybe later this year. You know, but I really like the progress he's made, and I really you know I love Grimes as a character now. Yeah. So now it's all in all, I thought it was a solid match. I you know like you said the the, the Velveteen Dream situation kind of, as you said, put a shadow over the whole thing. Uh, a lot of people really felt like, you know, just because he's back on TV that they're automatically just going to, you know, just start pushing him to the moon again, like where he was before <clears throat> before the controversy, before everything came up. And, you know, kind of referencing the the piece that you wrote about it a few days ago. I Here's where I think they're going to go with, um, with Velveteen Dream. Obviously, they're at least somewhat invested in him. And I've said this, um, obviously, and like you mentioned in your piece, obviously he did something. Um, what he did, whether it was illegal, quote unquote, or just messy, um, I, I guess is, you know, and, and I see a lot of crap on the timeline. I mean, people just, you know, 
going completely to the left on this whole thing, treating like he was like out there with like five-year-olds or something. I've even seen, you know, some ridiculous takes as far as that goes. Um, But, you know, not excusing anything that he may or may not have done. But, you know, when, when you look at where WWE's at, if there was enough substantial evidence, um, I, I, I feel like where WWE is as a company, where they're going, they wouldn't want to touch that. I mean, they've certainly released what would seem like more important people for less. Um, and, and there's not a whole lot. There, there's a lot of, at least at the time, there was a lot of potential money to be made out of Velveteen Dream. I don't know that that potential is there anymore. There's a really bad taste in their mouths. I definitely think this is a situation where they should have maybe cut their losses. But here's what I think they're going to do. He'll probably be on TV somewhat regularly. They'll check the temperature of the water. And if it's ice cold, he'll probably just quietly go away. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's kind of what I think. And I know that's not what a lot of people want. Right. But, well, and you know, I mentioned this, you know, well, I'm looking at it like the way that sports teams do with guys who get accused of, you know, sexual assault or domestic violence or what have you. Yeah. The first instinct is to try to ride it out. You know, until that's, that's always the first play. And the first play is always to try to ride it out. Yeah. And hope that it doesn't get – hope that the reality doesn't get to be too bad. Because if you're somebody they've invested in, they're going to hope that they can ride it out and then get to the other side of it and then that you will play well enough that people will forget about it. Yeah. Now – I'm not now. I know that doesn't sit well with a lot of people, right? But let's I'm not, not saying that it doesn't happen. It happens all the time, and yeah. I mentioned I mentioned Kobe Bryant. Okay, uh, I mean, let's be real here. I mean, we don't know what happened, but I mean, it was sure enough to have. Some people looking at him funny, yeah. <laughs> and, but what happened is everybody moved on once it didn't turn into jail. And, yeah. Um, and it happened, you know, with you know Ben Roethlisberger, he got, you know, he paid a couple of women off also. And what happened when he was in the thick of it? People were looking at him real funny. And then it didn't turn into jail time. He goes back on the field and the Steelers go to the Super Bowl and all of that. And people forget. So that's probably what the thinking is here. And I know that doesn't sit well with a lot of people. And I'm even though, look, I called for them to fire the man. And but again, that's easy for me to say that from behind my keyboard. Right, right. It's go ahead. I'm sorry. But I don't know. I think it's just, um, and look, I mean, it hits a little more different with wrestling because there's more of a personal, there's more of a, I guess, perceived personal relationship between the wrestlers and the fans. But I mean, you know, I hate 
to be that guy, but this is kind of the way of the world. Yeah. I don't see people letting go of the dream situation as readily as they did, say, a Ben Roethlisberger or Kofi Bryant. Because, again, we're talking with Velveteen Dream. We're talking potential money versus the other two guys who are already established money. You know what I mean? Yes. You're looking at Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant is an industry. I mean, this is a guy who's already an established, deeply entrenched industry. And I think people may right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying in general, because we know how human nature is, we're probably a little more easy to say, well, nah, maybe it wasn't that bad. It's Kobe. I like, you know, I like Kobe. I like Ben. You know, we'll let it go. Because, again, we're talking about guys who are, are making a lot of money versus Velveteen Dream, who's still really in the, the, the breaking out of the chrysalis of his career. Um, and he hasn't made that money yet, even though the potential is there. So I think people are probably going to ride this one a bit more heavily. I think WWE is going to take one on the chin on this one. And I hate saying that because, again, like we've talked in Discord, I rode out the denial train until the bitter end. I really did because I absolutely loved Velveteen Dream, uh, loved the character, loved everything the guy was doing with it. And I really thought we were we were on the cusp of watching the birth of the next big thing. And I told you that. Um, so I was really, as a fan, disappointed when this whole thing shook loose. And I did. I rode the denial train all the way to, all the way to the bitter end. Until I finally had to look at it and say, look, man, you got to you got to be realistic here. Even if he didn't necessarily do anything illegal, he did something wrong. It's something wrong that a lot of people, you know, and including myself, just don't feel good about and really can't stand behind the guy and support him the way we would have, you know, a year ago. Yeah. So. Um, yes, yeah, so I think I think he. He eventually won't be long for the place, I don't think. Um, I don't now it, it it may he won't get fired tomorrow. Um, it may take it may take another year, right? I mean, yeah. for for the whole thing to play out. I mean, and well, that is if if nothing else surfaces. Um, yeah. If some if some more if some more stuff surfaces, then they're just gonna tell him to get out. Yeah. And, well, the other tell will be is how well he's received received backstage. You know, maybe 25, 30 years ago, if a guy was an a-hole and a guy just was not somebody that a lot of people liked, he could go do his own thing and everybody was like, hey, look, man, he's making money. Let's just keep it quiet. We won't, you know. But I think we're in a different environment in the wrestling industry and more specifically in the WWE locker room. If nothing else, they're going to run him out. Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, the word is right now that, Nobody there really has anything, has any time for him, you know. Um, and so, and honestly, another thing that kind of kind of stuck out to me, like even people who aren't there anymore, but who had, had mentioned having, you know, conversations with him before, didn't really defend him either. Like, um, kind of um, like Leo, Leo Rush had mentioned at one point, like talking to him about something, I forget what it was. Yeah. But... But and so you don't even see, and you know Leo's not there anymore, so he has no, you know, he doesn't have to tow any company line or anything, right? right? I mean, and he didn't say anything in you know backing him up or defending him or whatever, right? Yeah. So, you know, somebody who is completely free to speak their own mind now won't even come and defend you. 
then um, that's a yeah, yeah um, and just what you hear in there's yeah, there's just I mean the, the rumor mill just says that there's a whole lot of like too too cool for school attitude from him backstage and you know I mean because like if you compare him like with you know well Matt Riddle's got accusations on him yeah so pretty bad but you know Matt Riddle gets along with everybody that girl yeah. or he's he's been friends with a lot of people right mm-hmm. so um you're not getting that whole kind of same kind of vibe where people are just like all the hell with him you know, yeah. backstage. Uh, people are more able to just kind of say, oh, not say anything really and just see how it plays out. Right. But, I mean, you know, and I mean, and, and look, I say, look, Sean and Hunter probably, there's a chance they look at him and they see a bit of their own past because, you know, they were well documented jerks backstage when they were younger. And so they, you know, they both might be looking at him and just hoping that, well, look, you know, if we can get through this, maybe the kid will get it together. Because yeah. you know, because we got it together eventually, right? right? I mean, because I mean, look, and, and well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I like to believe that even the worst people deserve a chance to try and turn it around. But there are some storms you just can't weather, and I, I really question whether or not he's going to be able to weather this one in the long term or whether WWE should even invest in the time to see if he weathers it. Now, if he turns himself around and, you know, maybe goes on the circuit and speaks out about this type of stuff and shows a genuine effort, um, maybe, you know, maybe we can, maybe we can turn the corner on this and give the guy another shot, but just kind of at least the the sense that we're just going to kind of, Turn our turn our eye to it and hope that it goes away, which is kind of the feeling a lot of people are getting. I I don't think that's going to work. I think it's going to backfire in a bad way. Me too. And it just it is what it, and you know and uh, well this look I don't think anybody was ready for the speaking out thing to happen when it did. Um, oh, a lot of different everybody off guard. It caught a lot of people off guard. And 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 it's not just in wrestling. Like there were people in like there were bunch of people named in the comic book industry. Yeah, which was interesting to me when you brought that up. I didn't realize the comic book industry was that bad with that. Oh, and I mean, I didn't really find, I didn't start hearing about that stuff until like when you get kind of deep in the weeds of comic book social media. Yeah. You start, that's when you start learning some of these stories about some of these guys. And, and it was the same type of thing. Um, They were just allowed to, stay at their companies and just because there was a guy yeah i mean like there was a guy at dc uh eddie Berganza, i think his name yeah like, he was so bad he was so bad on like sexual harassment that they they put him on a different floor of the building oh, rather than rather than just you know so that you know the female co-workers didn't have to walk by his office right i mean rather than just fire the guy right i mean <laughs> And so that's what, you know, we're talking about because, you know, decades of this kind of looking the other way on that kind of behavior. Right. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, the freight train comes in and everybody who's been kind of looking the other way or dancing around it. Now, all of a sudden, now they got to deal with it. 
head on. And look, everybody's, you know, nobody's doing really a particularly great job of dealing with it. Um, everybody's trying to figure out, okay, well, who can we get out of, who, who can we just throw out of here? And who do we really hope, you know, we can ride this out with? Um, because that's just the cynical business world. Um, and it's politics and every, I mean, you know, you see the politician gets accused of something and it looks really bad. You know, if they, if they don't resign right away and they're able to ride it out, then everybody moves on. And that's what, that's, that's the instinctive reaction to this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, we, we look at, you know, the United States in general, we have a sitting president who was, and I'm not going to turn this political because I don't, you know, I don't want to do that with him. We're talking, you know, an NXT event, but, you know, we've, we've got a sitting president who was accused of some pretty, pretty rough stuff and he was still elected president. So I think that kind of tells you the, the average mentality of the United States. We do tend to forget. We do tend to kind of move on. Yeah. And it, it, it turns into, okay, well, what are you doing for me? Well, if you're doing for me, what I, if you're doing some stuff for me that I like, then, you know, um, as long as you don't get too embarrassing, you know, we'll, we'll kind of compartmentalize it here. Pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. So let's move on the card. I don't want to get too sidetracked here. I think next up was, um, was it Io Shirai and uh, Dakota Kai? Was that the next one? Oh, actually, the next one was Pat McAfee. And oh, that's right. Pat McAfee. Yes, Pat McAfee and Adam Cole. And, man, there are a lot of people this morning eating a lot of crow, thanks to Pat McAfee. Um, I, I called it. You called it. Um, days ahead of time, we thought this guy was going to show up and show out, and he really did, man. I mean, it's and, and you can say, okay, yeah, Adam Cole carried him, and there's probably a certain amount of truth to that. But there was definitely some stuff that, that Pat did in there that I was surprised to see that was just good in-ring psychology that can't come from somebody who's just listening to the other guy call the match. It has to come naturally. It has to come from somebody who's genuinely watched for years and someone who genuinely has paid attention. A lot of times you get these, these celebrity involvements, and it's – I, I'm hit or miss with celebrity involvements because I like seeing WWE get the exposure, but sometimes you get people on WWE programming or wrestling in general that are just trying to promote their own product and their own brand or their movie or TV show. And they really have zero to, you know, little to no interest in the wrestling industry in general. So those I tend to kind of, you know, just kind of shrug and, you know, shrug my shoulders at and let it ride. But when you get somebody like, you know, a Stephen Amell or, you know, a McAfee, who obviously they're fans, they're genuine fans, and they're taking this seriously, I eat that up. And I was really, really excited to see what Pat did. And he, ex- he exceeded even my expectations last night. Oh, absolutely. Because, um, I mean, just, you know, he pulled out uh, – he did a little, like, a moonsault to the outside. And he um, – he, he, he well, he, look, he's an athlete, and people dismiss him because he was a punter. And yes, I mean, some punters are kind of frail looking kind of dudes, but yeah, some well, of them Adam, are. Adam Vinatieri's of the world, and then there's yeah, and um, and look, I mean, there, I mean, there are clips of him and during the NFL, you know, laying laying it to laying into some people on kick returns, yeah, but. I mean, when he sold, he sold, when he sold me, he sold me a couple of Wednesdays ago when, or it might've been um, actually last Wednesday 
when he got on the mic. Yeah. And when he and Adam Cole did the promo thing in the ring. And that's when I just knew, like, okay, yeah, he, he's all the way in here. And because he did better mic work than most people, you know, who are regulars in every company now. And like I said, and just the, the things about performing. And because actually, I have a friend of ours, Ray Cash, he said this last night, like, like you're, you know, you're a decent athlete. You can learn how to do wrestling moves. Yeah. Right. But, but performing and entertaining is a different animal. And it requires, you know, and some of that just has to be in you from the beginning. Yeah. And, and you could you could tell that, you know, he that he you know he's he's legit about performing and entertaining, and not just right. like he didn't just he didn't just learn a couple of moves and say okay I'm you know because you can see that sometimes when somebody who's not a wrestler gets in there and you can tell that they've been taught a couple of things. Right, and they they do those two or three things, and maybe they get you know they spend time getting beat up in the it's, you know because usually it's like a tag team match and they you know they hit a couple of moves and then they spend the rest of the match being the one getting beat up and then they make right. the hot tag to the, to the real wrestler who comes in and finishes everything up pretty much and but, yeah but you but and look he had to go out there as a singles match and I mean and look I mean they gimmicked up a little bit by having all the other guys out there at ringside but. He when it when it came down to just the two of them in the ring, he held his own. He he did his part. Uh, he even look. He got in the spot where he you know he snuck in a low blow and then went for the, like a punt kick kind of thing. I mean that, and it didn't look and it you know it looked really it was a really good spot too. Like cause it didn't it look natural. It really did look natural. And look, I'm I'm all set. Look, if he, if he wants to do it. I mean, I mean, obviously, he's not going. He's not doing three hundred dates on the road. But if I mean, if he's serious and they want to, you know, put him on maybe ten dates a year, you know, I'm all for that. Yeah, bring him out, make him an attraction. Like you said, you know, a few times a year. I, I definitely think he's got what it takes to come out and at least be an attraction. You know, on NXT, maybe even on you know main roster WWE TV. I just, you know, I, I have to laugh at how many people were sitting there in their feelings right now, um, you know, because they were, you know, some of the ones that took a dump over it. And like I shared in the Discord chat, man, Brian, Brian Alvarez pisses me off. And, and I've told you this, and, and, and it's been no secret on this. He you know, made the comment in his tweet that, you know, I, I don't even remember what I shared. It had something to do where he was basically making a – he was complimenting the match while at the same time taking a shot at Dominic Mysterio. And I'm like, dude, can't you just say, hey, Pat, you had a great match. We were all wrong. Thank you. Like, yeah. why does there have to be some ridiculous backhanded snark comment where you're complimenting the guy, but you're afraid to actually compliment the guy? I mean, your job as a journalist, quote unquote, if that's what you're calling yourself, is to report on wrestling. The guy went out and had a good wrestling match. As a reporter, report Pat McAfee went out and had a good wrestling match with Adam Cole. Why do you have to take a shot at WWE and some kid who's probably got five minutes less ring experience than Pat McAfee has and has a match on Sunday night? It, to me, it just it's ridiculous, and it's everything about guys like Alvarez and Meltzer and Bix and Keller that just, just piss me off. Yeah, I mean, I just like like they can't they they always have to get the little dig in because I think like um, oh because like, um because Wednesday night you know um well you know Alvarez he always 
does the ratings thing on yeah. day after Wednesday. And this week, you know, NXT was on and AEW was not on. And so he yeah. so he tweeted out, you know, NXT eight hundred thousand, AEW zero. You know, like ha ha ha. I'm like, okay, dude, what I mean it's like like we get it. You don't like WWE. I, I I and I don't even know how or why he came to that conclusion. Maybe he's one of those guys that realizes they're never gonna hire him, so he holds a grudge, which I personally I, to this day I maintain that's what Meltzer's problem is. Um, aside from the fact that he just doesn't quote unquote like what Vince did with the American wrestling industry. I just think he's mad because he never actually got to learn the secret handshake from Vince. Um, and I think Alvarez is in the same boat. I just think the guy's mad because he's never actually going to get to work for the company. And, you know, it's, so it's whatever it is with him. It's how he butters his bread. And, you know, it's, I, I get in my, I get in my head about it and then I move on. Yeah. And just, I mean, yeah, I can't stand it. Most of those guys I cannot stand um, yeah. because, you know, like so they they have single handedly poisoned the discourse over the last twenty years. Oh yeah, and you know, and in a lot of instances, they're not even being sincere. They're a lot, of, you know, a lot of like Alvarez. I think is running the gimmick. You know, I think Meltzer genuinely does not like WWE type of wrestling. Yeah, Alvarez is running, and you know, Alvarez is running the gimmick. I think, and don't know which one is worse. But, I mean, they're both bad. You know. Yeah. But I really enjoyed this match. You know, I guess the one, the one kind of for me, the one downside to this match was that I, there was so much energy to it that when it was over, I was kind of spent. Really, yeah. And um, I, I think they should have had this as the main event, really, because this was kind of the as far as energy to the show. This was this was the peak as far as energy for me. And I think they probably should have done this as the main event instead of having it in the middle. Because yeah. I kind of, I mean, the rest of it was for this, but, you know, I was just, I didn't have the same energy after the pop. And that segues into Io Shirai and Dakota Kai, who by default ended up getting that quote unquote death spot on the card. I mean, how do you follow that match between the hype? between all eyes being on Pat to see if he was actually going to deliver or whether it was going to be a shit show. Then he delivers, has his amazing outing against Adam Cole. And unfortunately, Io Shirai and Dakota Kai got put into a situation where they had to follow that. And they didn't have a bad match, but I am going to be honest. Like you, I was spent after the Cole uh, McAfee match. I was partially paying attention through uh, through EO and Dakota Kai, and I like both of them very very high on both of them, but I just wasn't emotionally drawn into that one. So I know there were a couple of good spots. I know at one point EO went for her like handspring backflip, and I think she kind of she she hit her head or something. And I, I don't know whether the match just kind of fell apart after that, but it just seemed like there were a couple of couple of sloppy – there was some definitely some cool stuff. You know, don't get me wrong. There was a couple of definitely really cool spots in that match. But it just seemed like they just weren't – I don't know. They just weren't gelling well together or something. Maybe that's just me. Maybe it was just my interpretation. Maybe it was just my head space going into that match. I don't know. What's your take? Well, I was I – was, like, I was kind of halfway zoned out through a lot of it. Um, from what I did pay attention to, I thought, the, you know, well, this was probably only like – the second or third time that Dakota's really gotten to work a long match. And so I think from that standpoint, 
she did really well. Um, yeah. And, you know, towards the end, when, like when they did the ref bump spot, I thought she was going to win there. So I'll say for that, that was, you know, the fact that they were able to hook me in with that was is good. Yeah. But um, like I said, I was just kind of zoned out through a lot of that because, you know, it was so high coming off of, you know, Cole and McAfee. And honestly, they probably should have had EO and Dakota go on first. And then you, you could have put, you know, Balor and Thatcher in the spot they were in. Yeah, I think the pacing and the match placement, I think, is, is part of why I didn't enjoy this takeover quite as much as ones in the past. And that's a good point you bring up. I think they opened with the wrong match. They should have opened with the women. Um, and and at, at the end, with you know, obviously EO gets the win in that one, which now leaves us in limbo with Dakota Kai. She's now had two major feuds in the last two months, one with EO and one with Tegan Knox. both of which, you know, kayfabe, she lost. Where does that lead Dakota Kai in the grand scheme of the women's roster on NXT? She's just now kind of floating along. Um, do, you, do you take Dakota, do you bump her up to the main roster, or is the main roster, as, at least as far as the women go, is it too bloated for her to really find a place? What do you, what do, you do with her at this point? Ooh, well, all right, so I think – over the past month or so, I think she'd gotten, you know, she'd made some progress just from kind of character standpoint. Cause like when she first did the turn, it just really seemed like a shock value kind of thing. And there wasn't much to it after that. Um, I don't know where to, honestly, I don't know where, I don't know what to do with her now because she's lost the EO and like she lost the, last match with Tegan Knox, you know, I mean, she, she won one of the earlier matches they had, but she lost the final match. Right. Um, now, if they're going to, now, when, when it comes time to the draft, if, if you're going to move her up to the main roster and then move somebody over to NXT, um, I could see that. Um, it really just depends on, like I said, how much she gets, you know, if they give her a chance to talk on the main roster and whether or not, you know, Raquel Gonzalez goes with her. Right. Um, I think having, you know, as far as main roster, having them together as an act together would help both of them more. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just not sure what to do, what, you know, where she goes from here. And, um, you know, but look, I think like over the last month or so, she's really coming to her own. But I do, look, I think as, Good as the women's division is in NXT, I do think it's time to move some of them along. Yeah, there's and, definitely time to move some up. Yeah, and because she's been there for a while, and it looks like you know she's done all that she's going to do there. Right. If she was going to win the title, she would have won it last night. Yeah. And so from there, I don't know. And now it looks like Renee Gonzalez and. Rhea Ripley are going to have a thing. So, you know, maybe when that's done and, and, you know, and like, I'm, well, they'll probably, you know, they'll, they may continue. If they do the war games again, then they'll probably spend the next few months just kind of d- doing stuff to get the teams together. Yeah. So I could see you know, her sticking around till then. Right. And then like, if it's like her and Raquel and then 
two other, maybe Candace and another heel, like Mercedes Martinez or somebody. And then, you know, on the other side, you got, you know, Rhea and EO and two other women, right? If that ends up being the war games, then I could, I could see that. Yeah. But after, well, once that's done, then, yeah, I think it would be time just to kind of move move her yeah. along. I'd probably have Raquel Gonzalez go with her so they can be like mm-hmm. a tandem in. Yeah, come come first of the year, we're going to have to see some roster changes where NXT is concerned because I feel like they're in a, a bit of a rebuilding phase with trying to get some new talent on TV, trying to get some you know new talent, some exposure, and get people interested in them. And you said, but you've got to you've got to get some of the uh, you got to make room. You got to make room, and you know that that's going to be easier said than done because when you start moving some of these, particularly the women up to the main roster, as you always like to say, somebody's going to have to take a seat. And, you know, who takes the seat? Yeah. And that, um, I guess another thing is, uh, you know, they're going to have to, I think they're going to need to change their philosophy as far as, you know, how, how much time they're going to devote to the women's stuff on the main roster because, you know, they have a ton of really good women there now and they have, you know, like some of these women in NXT need to move along. So I don't know, like, you know, somebody's, who's going to, somebody's going to come back or what, but. Right. right. And that opens up a whole discussion for, and we can discuss this another day. And, you know, some people have suggested giving the women their own weekly show. And, you know, again, without branching out into that discussion, we can talk about that on another episode. I, I, that's a good, bad idea. Um, yeah. So, so, so let's move on here to the main event, which was, uh, you know, NXT champion Keith Lee versus Karrion Cross. This was a match that, again, had a, a lot of emotional weight coming into it. Karrion Cross being the new kid on the block, Keith Lee being, you know, being the NXT champion and everything that went on with uh, with Dijakovic. Um, it, it, there was a lot going on emotionally in this match. I was expecting hard hitting and heavy. Um, it started off that way, and then it turned into a bit of a grappler. Again, not unlike Timothy Thatcher and Finn Balor at the beginning of the card. Um, I, I, I didn't dislike this match. I just felt like, and again, some of this may have just been hangover from Cole and, and Pat McAfee. But it, this match, to me, didn't deliver quite as well as I, I had hoped. Um, I don't. What was what were your thoughts on that? Oh, I kind of feel the same way, and. Like it, you know, got slow in a couple of spots. And now, on the one hand, I do appreciate it over what had become the customary, you know, thirty-five minute, you know, Johnny Gargano, Champa main event kind of thing, where it's you know, where it, the match goes on forever and they kick out of ten finishers and right. you know, and all of that. And so I appreciate the change. Um, now, when we talk about you know missing Morrow, I think this is actually where this is a prime example of where you need him because yeah. you know he could have. I think he punctuated a lot of the th- parts of that this match in ways that would have made it feel better while we were watching it. And yeah, I think and this this is one of those matches. It was not. I don't think it, was, it wasn't a bad match at all. But no, it was a well-worked match. Yeah, but it's it's one of those where some matches you need commentary to to make better. 
Right. And I think one of those. And it would, I think, with, with somebody like Morrow there, I think it would have been better. Uh, yeah. It would, it would, it would have, it would have felt. And also, they were kind of in a, they were in a no-win situation with this match because, like, was obviously. I mean, they 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 moved him up really quickly because he had gotten so hot, and but then. You know, it's in a situation where there's there's no good outcome as far as who wins, uh, right? Because nobody was like nobody on my timeline was particularly happy with Cross winning. I mean, and I mean, I wasn't really either. But you can't, you know, you can't bump him up like that and then just have him lose his first big match either. Um, the pin in his first big match. I mean, that's that's that because that just kills any hope that you had for that character. As much as we may sit here and say wins and losses don't matter, a, a loss of that magnitude in in the eyes of the the casual fan is is detrimental. Yeah. So now I guess now me what I would have done if I were you know I would have just. You know, I would have had a DQ finish or something, and then you yeah. know, and then put off the put off the title change until later. Yeah, no. uh, this is definitely something, and they may very well drag this out. I mean, but and, and this, and I'll get into this part in a minute. Um, you know, they may very well. There's more story to tell there, obviously. Yeah. So now, but now this is another one of those things where I will take shots at the internet because, you know, I mean, back in the day. They would have done a DQ finish, and then they would have had another match on the next pay per view, right? Takeover, and then then if you want, then when you get to that point, then you could do you could either do the title switch, or you could have Keith beat him, and it wouldn't hurt Cross as much, right? But in 2020, you know when you do that. The internet gets upset because mm-hmm. you know the the, the the quote unquote smart fans on the internet they hate DQ finishes in big matches. They think every, every they think if every big match is supposed to end in a pin. Yeah. And, well, and, and again, that presents that problem that I posed earlier. One of your favorites has to lose. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this is a perfect. This is when if there was a time where you should have. We absolutely should have done a DQ finish or a double countout finish or something. This was it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll um, be interesting to see moving forward where they go because apparently, and again, I don't know how much of this affected the match quality, but apparently uh, Cross uh, may have separated his shoulder. I haven't gotten the official ruling on that. I know he injured himself in the match. I don't recall exactly where he might have done that. I'd have to watch it again. If he did it early, that could definitely explain why they had to change the pace of the match a little bit. Um, if he did it late, then, you know, the match was what it was. But that will, you know, now that's obviously, depending on how severe the shoulder injury is, will dictate what happens, you know, with that NXT title, you know, from this point forward, because if it's a separated shoulder, which is what they're speculating that it is, he's going to be out for a few months. I mean, you don't just bounce back. I think Kalisto just came back after months off from a separated shoulder. So yeah. we could very well be looking at, you know, Karrion Cross not coming back until after, you know, the end of the year at the soonest. 
if it is indeed that. So now we're back into a situation where the, the NXT title was potentially vacant. And, you know, obviously if it is, there will be a tournament or some form of gimmicked up match to try and determine, you know, who the guy will be from there. And, you know, at that point, do you, do you put the belt back on Lee? Um, because he's been, you know, he's been a good, he's been a good champ and, and he's really just started to get his, um, get his groove going with that belt. And, and again, I was one of the ones and, you know, I didn't openly go after it on the timeline, but I wasn't happy with Lee losing. Although I understood, you know, the match in and of itself backed itself into a corner because, you know, you weren't cross wasn't going to lose, but Keith, Keith Lee didn't need to lose. Yeah. And so I think, you know, and to me, this is another argument to, you know, put Cole and McAfee in the main event because then you could have had this go on earlier and then, then do the DQ finish. Yep. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think, I guess I didn't like the way it ended, but, it, you know, because it was a no-win scenario. And, you know, there's also the question of, all right, how fast do you push somebody when they get hot? Because there's the Braun Strowman argument that, you know, when Braun was at his absolute, you know, hottest with the quote-unquote smart fans was when he was feuding with Roman. And there are people to this day that say, well, they should have just put the title on him then. And even though he could barely get through a match. Yeah. I mean, even though, I mean, even though he could, because, I mean, you saw it with, I mean, like Roman had to call the whole thing with him. Yeah. I mean, and then, and then he had the match with Brock, and, you know, I think Brock kind of got disgusted. Yeah, and this is where fans really ruin things. Braun wasn't ready then, and they were hot for him. He's ready now, and they're cold on him. Yeah, and exactly, and that's why I mean, when I see people just dumping on the guy now, you know, and like now he, I mean, he's at a point now where he, you know, he he can work matches. He can actually work a match now, (laughs) and this is so. If there's a point where he should be you know, then this is it. And, but now with Cross, you know, like I said, he came in and look, I think a lot of, you know, a lot of the heat for him is because of Scarlet. Yeah. Not him. But still, I mean, you know, hot is hot, whatever the reason. Yeah. And, and just, I mean, like I said, the way the internet goes now, if, you know, if, if it, it's, it's a no win situation. Yeah. I, think, I think they should have done it different. But at the same time, um, what do you do? Yeah, because if you, because if if you wait till next year and try to put the belt on Cross, then you're gonna have people saying, "Oh, they waited too long." Yep. Um. So I, I don't know. I mean, and so it just it it really just depends on what they do going forward. And if it turns out that Keith is not long for NXT anyway, then it makes sense. Right. Yeah. If he's, if he's, I mean, if, if he's off to the main roster soon anyway, then then it's then, all. Yeah, then it all makes sense because then you had to get the belt off of him anyway. Yeah. Um, now, if for some reason he's still there a year from now, then 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 we look at it like, okay, well, what what are we all doing? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, all right, Rob, I'm going to take a break real quick, and then we're going to come okay. back and kind of close this out. Okay. Okay. I'll be I'll I'll be back in a minute. All right. And we're back after a quick technical break here with Rob Bonnet. We're going to take this thing home on the NXT uh, 30 TakeOver 
wrap up show. Rob, welcome back. All right. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they go. If if Cross is legit injured and it's something that's going to require some time off, we'll see where they go. Uh, a lot of speculation with Keith Lee that he may be – I mean, either way, he's bound for either Raw or SmackDown. I just think that's that's the right move. But how soon do you make that move again? Like I was talking you know, in the last segment that – Right now, I think NXT is in a, a re- rebuilding phase, you know, trying to bring up the Bronson Reeds and Damian Priest and Cameron Grimes. Can you afford to lose a heavy hitter like Keith Lee at the moment, or do you keep him around through the end of the year or until whenever they're going to do the draft? I mean, how do you play that out? Oh, good question. And now if I think if Cross is not hurt, then you just move him along, you know. Right. And, but if he is, then – Oh boy, because you know, bringing you know, putting the title just back on him after that, it would just be kind of weird. Yeah. Um, I would probably just move him along, regardless, and then, I mean, then another other guys that got him that need, that need to move also, like the undisputed era need to move on. Yeah, that's um, done about all they can do on in NXT. Yeah, and um, now I think. I think, you know, Gargano and Ciampa are lifers. I think they're not leaving. And I think it's fine because they've kind of established themselves as that. Um, but now I think it's it's time. Yes, you know, so Keith needs to move on. Undisputed Era need to move on. Yeah. And, you know, now it's time, it's time to do something with Priest and with Bronson Reed and to make them a bigger deal. Yeah. Um, you know, and also with, with Cameron Grimes and – you know, um, was it, uh, you know, Phantasma, like those guys, it's time to do more, you know, time to make them a bigger deal. And, you know, then, then also, I mean, you know, some of the women's side needs to move on, like we said, um, and because you've got people at the PC who, who need to start getting time. And the only way to do that is you got to open up some spots. Yeah. So I think it's, but I think it's time to do that. And now look, now they're going to, you know, in the, you know, the quote unquote Wednesday night rating wars, you know, they're going to, they're going to take a hit. Oh, absolutely. There's going to be a hit. But you just got to, I mean, at some point you just got to take the plunge and say, okay, I mean, we're going to do this and we need to, you know, and, you know, we're going to do this and bring some, start bringing some of these guys up. And then look, you can always bring guys from, Raw or SmackDown over there. Yeah. Right. And then put the, now, like, for example, somebody like, like, you know, Mustafa Ali would be perfect. He could come there and you could just make him NXT champion. Yeah. Out of the gate. He'd be right into that role. Yeah. I mean, you, you could, I mean, if they're going to have a tournament of Cross is Hurt, you can just, I mean, shoot, you can have him come win the thing. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> right. And then go ahead. And, and you know, I mean, so there, I mean, there are people there, and you can do stuff, right? And then that you can bring over, and who will also, you know, maybe bring some eyeballs or keep the interest level, you know, where and. But it's time to move out some of the people who've been at the top there for a while, and to, it's just time for some of them to move on. Yeah. And so they need to, they need to shift some people around, and like I, said, I would bring. I would bring Mustafa Ali there. I know he just got the raw, but whatever, right? I mean, I would 
I mean, you could have him there. You could keep – and some of those guys are like Cedric. Um, I don't know. Well, I think Ricochet would probably stay on Raw. But, yeah. I mean, you could I – mean, Cedric could clean up down there in NXT. Yep. Um, you know, Gable could clean up down there. Uh, you know, I mean, they're, they're guys you can bring back. Yeah. And, well, in, you know, in, I mean, it, in terms of TV ratings draws, they still have some 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 cards in the deck. You Like you said before, they've got Gargano. They've got Ciampa. They've still got Balor. You know, they've got guys that they can put on TV. So maybe if they keep them regular to kind of help elevate the up-and-coming talent, you know, you let the Undisputed Era move on. You let the Keith Lees move on. You move up some of the, the, the more longer-tenured women to the main roster. You keep around a Gargano, a Ciampa, a, a, a Finn Balor, some of these guys who can help groom the Bronson Reeds, the Damian Priest, help them, you know, not only develop, you know, in the ring and get some TV reps, but develop that that character a bit more so that – because, again, as we've discussed, people stick around for characters, you know, they'll watch a good wrestling match and appreciate it, but they stick around for characters. And when I look at the the the, the graduating class, I see some potentially good characters, but I don't see a whole lot of character development. And I think that's where a Champa and a Gargano and a Balor can come in because they can help elevate those characters into something that, you know, that from a rating standpoint, fans will care about. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, it's, it's time to do that with some of these guys because, yeah. look, I mean, they got – you can do something with Priest. You can do something with Bronson Reed. I think um, you can do stuff even with like Cameron Grimes. He's somebody who can, you know, give you a segment every week and just, you know, do something kind of weaselly or whatever and get people to laugh a little bit, you know? Yep. Um, so, I mean, they got, and it's time to start building on those guys and, you know, do something with them. Yeah. So I think it's, uh, so hopefully Cross is not hurt badly um, because that would kind of derail things um, a yeah, bit that would on that end. But, right now. But it's like it, right now it's time. Like you just got to take the plunge and get some of the, you know, and go ahead and you, you, know, you got to just do it now. I mean, you got to take the plunge and get some of these people developed and yeah. get some of, the people, some of the people who are at the PC who are not really getting in much. It's time to start getting them on TV also. Like, uh, you know, Baba Tunde, well, he's always going by Davocado now with the mm-hmm. underground thing. But, um, you know, it's time to, you know, and it's time to start doing stuff with guys like him also. Yeah. And the last NXT house show I went to, there were like a whole bunch of women that I don't see on TV. And a couple, a couple of the girls were really green. They really still needed to get some more just road reps in before you put them on they were definitely not tv ready but they're i'd say half the show i didn't even recognize half the talent and you know looking at all them i'm like okay they they've got a ton of people that aren't even on tv that eventually are going to have to graduate and get on tv and like you said you got to take the plunge and these people are either going to sink or they're going to swim and even if you take a a short-term ratings slump at least you get out there, you throw a Cameron Grimes on TV. If it fails to succeed, then, you know, you take the slump and then you move on. You slide him off and you slide somebody else into that role who might succeed. This is just how, you know, the revolving door of wrestling has always worked. So if you're going to do it, like you said, you, you have to take the plunge and you got to take it now. 
Yeah. I mean, especially now, I mean, you know, because where you're not going on the road and all of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, now with everybody kind of in the same location, this is the time to really get out there and experiment. And, you know, because, I mean, they're like, they got, they got a bunch of guys and gals who are, who, who need to get more time in front of the camera. Yeah. Um, you know, like uh, Dio, you know, the guy who was on commentary for Raw for like a month and then he decided he wanted to give it another go. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he's a pretty big athletic dude. I mean, so I know he was doing like the Florida loop down there before COVID hit. But, yeah. I mean, if he's, if he's ready to put on TV, then, you know, he's another guy, you know. And then because, you know, you need to get them on TV and then, well, another, I guess, couple of years, you know, it'll be what Simone's turn to get on there and yeah. keep the family tradition going. Yeah. Um, no. You know, but, I, but that's why you have a PC and that's why they've signed all of these people. And it also means that, you know, pro- look, next year, some more folks are going to get released. Well, and that's that's you know. how a business like that goes. You hire 100 and you keep 10. Yeah. yeah, it's that's and unfortunately somebody has to be the ninety, and it's it sucks for those people. But there's only so many slots, and again, the, with the way the revolving door works, you know, it's it just is what it is. So, yeah, and well, I mean, I guess the hope it really is that the rest of the business recovers as we get hopefully get past COVID here, because you know, so that there will be more smaller feds or more indie stuff open up so some of these folks will get released and keep going. Right. Um, but I mean, some folks are going to get released next year. And oh, yeah. because I mean, you know, we talked about the, you know, the roster being bloated and they're at, they're at the time they're They are at a point now where you gotta, yes, you, you gotta let some of these folks go. Yeah. And, and honestly, um, And I mean, I'm even thinking about people who've been on the main roster for a while, and where it's just not where it's just not going to happen. I mean, <laughs> and uh, or if you know if they just can't accept being kind of glorified enhancement talent, then you know, then it's it's going to be just time to cut bait with folks, mm-hmm. and that's I mean. <laughs> That's a whole discussion for a whole nother episode. That that perspective of wrestlers and you know their their expectations versus reality and things like that. We <coughs> excuse me, God, we could do a whole show and have that discussion. So, but like I said all in all, I thought NXT Takeover Thirty was was solid. I, I'd give it you know between a six and seven out of ten. I don't know how how you'd rate it, but for me it was it was solid. It wasn't great, but it 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 moved it moved some things forward. Yeah, I'd say seven. I mean like cause like so there were some things missing. Like, you know, I think Morrow being there probably would have bumped it up to an eight for me. Um yeah. and then just kind of the kind of the again like the match order and some of the kind of looming elements kind of drag things down a bit. Yeah. Um if so I'd say, you know, for me, seven is about right for me here. I'd say that's I'd say that's a fair that's a fair rating. So anyway, we're gonna call it a night here. We got uh, was a SummerSlam tonight. Rob, what's your excitement level for SummerSlam? Oh, I'm, I'm up there, man, because I want to see I want to see how Dominic is gonna do. Mm-hmm. I want to 
I want to see how things are going to unfold with Sasha, Bailey, and Asuka. And, yeah, I'm curious to see how the thing with Randy and Drew is going to be, whether or not Randy's going to win. Yeah. Uh, per- and this is, I mean, look, that's another one of those, you know, do we strike while the iron is hot kind of things or not? Um, personally, I would, well, again, I would, I would do the DQ finish here and then have Randy yeah. win later. Um, yeah. But that's, that's, you know, I mean, that's my kind of 80s booking mentality. Man. And another, you know, and then also, you know, what's going to happen with Mandy and Sonya? It just unfortunate stuff that went down with both of them over the past week. Yeah, that and was a horrible situation. So I think, so I think what's going to happen is I'm expecting Mandy to win, and I'm thinking Sonya's since they changed the stipulation to loser leaves WWE, I think this just means Sonya's going to take a break. Yeah, and which I mean. I totally understand. That was just a horrifying situation. When you read the uh, the police report on that, it's it's absolutely horrifying that 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 you know that anybody has to go through that in in reality. But that you know someone that you watch on TV and as you've said, you know, here just a few minutes ago, we we build these, I guess, relationships with um, whether they're imaginary or whatever it is. There's this sense of closeness with these people because we do we latch onto them so to see somebody that you feel like you think you know go through it is it, it just hits a little closer so yeah if she takes time off man I'm, I'm definitely i'm definitely understanding of that yeah so i think i mean i do i mean i'm interested i'm interested to see how the match itself goes this right. is the biggest this is the biggest spotlight that both of them have gotten and they've done some really good work this year they have, they have. It's. I'm, I'm almost sad to see Sonya go because I, you know, I watched her on the uh, the show with uh, Miz and Morrison, and she's sitting there. And she gives a great promo. She's very Ooh. comfortable on the mic. She's very sure of herself, and she knows what her character is. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm now we're at that point where I'm almost sad to see that go. Yeah, and then also I think I think Mandy is much better as working as a face. I think the whole that whole thing they were trying to do with her when she was heel I think it felt really forced and yeah. just kind of try, try hard yeah. to me I think she feels a lot more natural in the kind of role she's in now and now but this is now this is another example though of the vast majority of their feud has been basically character work yeah they don't they don't have a you know they don't have a bunch of 20 minute matches between them and it's been almost all character work, promos, you know, hallway fights, run-ins. Yeah, I think the most hands anybody's got on anybody is when Sonya cut her hair a couple weeks ago. That's it. And, but that, you know, but that itself is an argument to, you know, against this whole, you know, we got to have 30-minute matches and do a bunch, do, you know, 30 different moves on each other in order to have something good. I mean, they've gotten this feud over with, minimal ring time between them, you know. It, it works. It's been brilliant. Like I said, I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of Sonya Deville than I was, say, you know, four to eight weeks ago, just because now and it's it just makes the situation with her, you know, personally, uh, you know, that much that much worse is that she's finally in a situation where she's developed this character and given time on TV and it just, you know, real life stepped in and crapped all over it. So I hate to see that not only from a personal safety perspective from her, but from an employment perspective, because you literally, 
wait months, sometimes years for the type of spotlight that she and Mandy are getting. And, you know, just something this tragic happens and, and derails the whole thing. You hate to see it. You really do. Yeah, because, I mean, to be honest, look, at this time a year ago, I was all the way out on both of them. Oh, yeah. I, they could they could have released both of them, and I probably wouldn't have blinked. Yeah, same here. Um, so, I mean, I look, I'm hoping that she gets back and that is able to pick up where she left off. Yeah. And, you know, because, look, they had, they had a good thing going here, and, you know, look, I'm hoping the best for her and that, you know, she's able to get back and resume things because, again, this is the most interested I've been in either of them since they've been there. Yep. No, no, no doubt. No doubt. So, so let's wrap it up there, Rob. Enjoy SummerSlam tonight. Um, I'll probably end up having to watch it over a couple of days on the network just because tomorrow's my kid's first day of school. I don't want to be up late. I don't, and I know she's going to want to watch some of it with me. I don't want her being up late. So, and you know, SummerSlam typically runs, it's one of the longer of the, of the big, big four between WrestleMania and SummerSlam. They both usually tend to run a little long, so I may have to break it up, and then I'll do uh, you know my WrestleMania ra- or my SummerSlam wrap up later on in the week. All right, sounds good, man. All right, Rob, you have a good one. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thank you again for being on my podcast. Always a pleasure having you on here, man. Yeah, thank you, man. Anytime. And have a good one. You too.